and you start to make compromises uh, because you need people to do the work to hit those deadlines that you've established. And that is the genesis of mistakes. Um, you need to hold out until you have the top people. Aim for the top people. If you can't get them, immediately understand what it would take to get them right. and uh, orient, orient around that. Welcome to 20 Minute Leaders. Just sit back, relax, and learn from the leaders of today. It's a journey. Each one is different, unique, inspiring. Let's get started. This episode is powered by J Ventures, a community-driven VC fund in Silicon Valley, in partnership with Leumi Tech, sponsored by Hippo Insurance, Opwest Labs, Turing, Hillel at Stanford, Leap, and in media partnership with C-Tech. This is a story that's really worth hearing. Meet Barak Rabinowitz, managing partner of F2 Venture Capital. Previously, Barak was a partner at Genesis Partners, where he focused on early-stage investment opportunities and the Junction Seed Investment Program. Prior to Genesis Partners, Barak led three startups in the UK and Israel as co-founder and CEO, including Mytopia, acquired by 888 Holdings, and supported numerous successful technology companies as an angel investor. Meet Barak. <laughs> Barak Rabinowitz, how are you doing? I'm good, thank you. <laughs> thank you for inviting me to the beautiful F2 office. Of course. It's amazing. The view here is spectacular. Nobody can see, but I, I'm looking directly at, at, yeah. at, at the beautiful landscape of Tel Aviv. Uh, we're not talking here about Tel Aviv. We're talking about investing. And, uh, and Barak, you've created here uh, one of the top VCs in Israel all day long. I just keep hearing about F2, yeah. uh, from founders, from the from press, everything. It's, it's amazing what you've built here. Uh, and before we get to that, I want to hear a little bit about you. So coming from Ohio, Harvard, now Tel Aviv, did you know back in Ohio that you're going to build an amazing VC here in Israel? No. Was that a grand plan? No. No. And, and I, I, you know, grew up in Ohio, really uh, public school, um, used to hang out in the parking lot of McDonald's. And yep. uh, I just had a vision that I wanted to be in the sort of front of a movement to have some impact. But I had no idea what, where. I mean, I traded baseball cards, but didn't even watch baseball. So it was more, um, there were some uh, uh, inherent things I enjoyed, like like trading, like tracking value, like identifying winners. Uh, that, that's looking back, looking for the themes. But uh, uh, I went to college, you know, I applied to several schools and Never thought I'd end up where I did, Georgetown University. It's a Catholic school, Jesuit institution, and I'm a Jewish boy from Ohio. But uh, someone had a spare application on their floor, and I filled it out. Amazing. So, you know, I could, I could sit here now and try to draw a logical path, but a lot of times it's just following your heart and seeing where, where you end up. So, so what was the point for you, looking back, you say, I think I like this, this ecosystem. I think I'm going to find myself where, I'm, where you are today. Well, I, you know, think a lot about life and happiness and the point of it all. And uh, one of the things I realize is there's a few things in your life you can do to make a step change in your happiness level. One of them is picking the right partner. Another is picking where you live. And I thought to myself, I used to love coming here on vacation more than anywhere else. And if I can actually live here and work here in the place that I love, well, I bet that will make me happier. And it does. And it's because all of us here carry with us, a, I think, for the most part, a sense that we're, we're part of something. Oh, yeah. 100%. And so you come here in 2002. Yeah. And, and this, is after the, this is after Harvard, right? No. I, I was in banking, kind of losing my soul in Wall Street. <laughs> and I saw, first of all, 
9-11 happened, yeah. and my bank was impacted. Uh, it was the biggest tenant of the World Trade Center. I wasn't wow. in that office, but still, we were impacted, and my bank in Goldman Sachs decided to uh, create a nonprofit to help the victims, specifically who were widows, because their husbands were in finance and managed all the money. And the widows were left to make order out of the chaos, and the government was paying them out through a victim compensation program, a million dollars on average, and they became vulnerable to all kinds of sharks out there. So we created a financial advice program, and that was actually my first startup. I was the analyst from Morgan Stanley, and there was an analyst from Goldman, and we came together under a chairman of Goldman and, and did this for six months. I couldn't go back to banking after that. Right. So during that time, I saw Morgan Stanley's opening an office in Israel, and a gentleman named Yair Sarusi is leading the effort, and I, I read that on Bloomberg, and I contacted him and said, I gotta come out. Wow. And it was second intifada. And he said, listen, if you're crazy enough to come out here now, we'll have you. Wow. So that's what brought me to Israel, that sense of adventure and connection with my roots. Craziness. Craziness, Craziness. yeah. Uh, I did that for a year, met my partner, Jonathan Sachs, who were partners now in F2. Also was impacted by the Intifada in the sense that from our building on Harba Street, right across the street from where we're sitting now, I could hear the buses blowing up. Really? And I was also 24 at the time, and wow. I always had a dream to serve in the army, and my dad had served here in the Six-Day wow. War, and I, I felt such pride when I looked at his photos. And as a son of an Israeli, I could be here for a year, but if I stayed longer, I'd be required to do military. But if I did that, I'd only serve three months in Shlav Bet, which isn't very meaningful. So I realized all those things together, I should volunteer to serve in a combat unit. Um, and that's what I did. I left the bank and joined the... At 24? Yeah, I was 25 when I went in. Yeah. Whoa, what was that? <laughs> we'll talk about it yeah. as well, but what was that like? This is crazy. Again, that sense of impact, like uh, banking is so superficial. Second so intifada. I went into the Nachal and Gidul Hamishim and I was so happy. Wow. I mean, no bullshit, no tie, no suit. Everyone dressed the same. You know, uh, the Chayalim Bodedim, the, the volunteers, lonely soldiers, are the most motivated soldiers in the army. And that's why the army invests in them, I think, to set an example. And I was definitely the case, like living my dream and uh, taking photos of everything and writing about it. Wow. Yeah. Now, how did the, your fellow soldiers, I mean, it's a very, you know, yeah. kumbaya experience. Yeah. How did they accept... You know, coming from the U.S., yeah. from banking, yeah. all of a sudden you're in the Nakhal. Well, I was popular. I was the one soldier with some money. So on the weekends, <laughs> everyone would come to my place, big parties. You or... bought the oranges in the <laughs> Yeah, or actually I, I took everyone to Brasserie on a very fancy restaurant for, for brunch. Um, wow. It was really fun, um, as odd as it sounds. And during that time... In the army, the training is very intense, and then in deployment, you have a lot of standing still, like eight-hour guard duty shifts, and I just did the GMAT preparation and essays in my head during that time to stay really? awake, <laughs> and I played to Harvard and was accepted, so that's, yeah. Amazing. So, Harvard MBA, and, and you're yeah. coming back to Israel, the story of F2. Yeah. With Johnny. Yeah, yeah. How yeah. does that happen? Well, uh... My best friend in the army was a Belgian guy. He introduced me to a Belgian girl. We started dating. She was in London. I had to come to London for her. So we did a startup there. It was bought. Of course. And then we decided to move to Israel <laughs> and another startup. 
And I invested as an angel in a company in the Junction, which is part of our platform here at F2. After my company was acquired, so I joined Johnny at Genesis Partners, which is one of the original funds in Israel from yes. 25 years ago. And took a lot of best practices from there, but Johnny and I thought we could direct them to a clear gap in the market in Israel at the pre-seed and seed stage. And that is the genesis of F2. The genesis of F2. Yeah. You're sitting here and you're thinking, what are we in the ecosystem? And I'm hearing you already say early stage, yeah. which is, you know, when they, I'm guessing when the venture capital scene started here. Yeah. We didn't have many players that are focusing on, you know, the roots of, of where, these, yeah. where these are happening. Yeah. What is your conviction or your thesis around the early stage companies that you're looking to work with in the next, in the next years? Yeah. Um, look, there's a general checklist targeting large markets, very intelligent, driven people, authentic entrepreneurs, um, complementary team and skill sets, and some validation in the form of people they worked with before or design partners and all the rest. But it does come down to just that intangible X factor. Uh, that you feel when you're sitting in the room with these people. Right. And, and so what I'm hearing from you, a lot of it is also just from experience. You've seen thousands of companies by now. I'm guessing that you're, you're, you know, the intuition bug is pretty strong. Yeah. And, and, and the theme here is failure is the best teacher. And failure in my own startups, failure in not backing companies that went on to be successful, uh, learning all the time from those experiences so that you don't repeat it in the sense that when you see something that walks through the door that could be big, you run. And that's what we do here. We put everything to the side. It's like a fire drill. We work as a team um, to show to the founders the value we can bring and in parallel do our work, our diligence, so that we can come with a term sheet very fast. How does this learning take place? I'm fascinated by this concept. Yeah. Learning from failures, learning from, you know, I imagine myself, you know, hopefully one day I'll get yeah. to So where, you know, have a fund and I'm thinking, okay, if I miss a deal and I know, for example, a fund in California that missed on Airbnb in their seed stage. Yeah. I'm trying to think, and you know, they're really upset. Yeah. Like now looking back, they're really yeah. upset. It doesn't, how do you actually learn from these experiences, something tangible that can push you forward? One of the things you realize in VC is it's the winners that count and the losers are irrelevant in the sense that, yes, we're investing $2.5 million on average in every company, but when you hit an Explorium, our investment in Explorium is worth more than our entire first fund and we're just getting started there. So does it matter that I lost $2.5 million on a company that we wrote off? No, it's completely irrelevant. In other words, take the bet. If you see the spark, take the bet. We're in the risk-taking business. We're a small sliver of a total asset allocation pie of our LPs, and that is meant for high risk. So you have to orient yourself um, so you don't, as I said, make the same mistakes of the past, and you give yourself every opportunity to succeed in the future. So what I'm hearing from you, it's not just learning how to make better deals, but it's learning also to have the strength and the strong mentality of knowing to buffer out the noise and concentrate on, on what's really important and beautiful yeah. about the VC world. Yes. Right? Yes. And so this family that we're here, yeah. that you've invited me to this office is here, yeah. it feels a little bit different, I have to say. I'm walking in, the, the energy is different. People are talking to each other very friendly. It's not that every person is in their own cubicle. Yeah. What is the, sort of your explanation of this or your understanding well, of what's happening here? you know, from my startup days, I, I really hated management. <laughs> and... The only way to solve that is to have people who are self-driven, uh, out to prove something, and uh, obviously good people. 
And that's what we have here. If, if a person comes in here and needs to be managed, then they're just not going to last. So we have a collection of uh, individuals who are leaders and uh, know where they're heading. And, um, and we all work together on a level playing field um, with a common values, set of values, which we have on the door, trust, boldness, and efficiency. Um, so we all know on a macro level how to navigate. Right. Now you're also you know, an entrepreneur at heart. Yeah. Is, do you consider this some form of a company that you run? Do you consider that? Because, you know, this yeah. is not like banking, I'm guessing, yeah. Goldman Sachs, right? Yeah, no, 100% no. This is our startup. And now we've, we've you know, we have one fund and a second fund, and soon we'll have a third fund. And, and it's just like a startup how you're, you're climbing the ranks from C to A to B to C. Um, I, I think we've had a lot of success, but I take nothing for granted. And... Yes, we've just closed a deal, but I have no idea where the next deal is going to come from or when it will hit, and I just have to remain humble and, and receptive. Right. And so you, you talked before about happiness and raising yeah. happiness levels. Yeah. How do you raise the happiness level as a, as a VC? Where, where do you find the happiness within this part of your life? Um, it, 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 I mean, first of all, you need that self-selecting team of people who have that same core set of values. So you'll all be happy as a result of the same things. And a lot of that is seeing our company succeed, bringing a key hire, um, closing a growth round, um, winning a deal. Uh, we're, we all on our WhatsApp groups. We have multiple groups connecting our team members all the time, weekends, nights. That's how you can see if people are really passionate about yeah. it. Um, how I mean, what what is life about if not like a re, I call it ROI, return on impact? That that's what we're looking for here. And what greater impact is there to be at this ground stage of future great companies and future great leaders? And layered into that, this sense of pride in Israel and these young Israelis coming up and making a, a positive change in the world. I can't imagine a different scenario. And you know, I love this job so much. Like I come in on weekends. I, there's no separation of work and life, and that's how I think I know I'm in the right direction. It took me until I was close to 40 years old to find this path. So I don't think I could have changed anything. All those failures led me here. Um, but I, I wish that for everyone. So now talking more to, to young entrepreneurs. Yeah. And I'm putting myself in the same boat yeah. here. You know, a lot of, you know, a lot of really amazing entrepreneurs that have the privilege of having you on their board and you're yeah. invested in, in incredible companies like Explorer and Parametrics and, and yeah. Really incredible, incredible companies. To the other thousands of young entrepreneurs out there, yeah. what, what have you learned working with thousands, you know, looking at thousands of companies? Some, some things that may be not trivial, that a young entrepreneur may, may conform to because of the, because of the stress and, and the society. Things that now you understand that you know, we can really understand ourselves and it will make our life better or make our path better. Well, um... I think that uh, it's key to have great people around you. And um, what happens is you raise money and then you have pressure to release a product on time. And it's a concrete timeline that you promised to your investors. And how are you going to do that without people? You start to hire people and you realize this guy has this issue, this woman has this issue, da 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 da. And you start to make compromises uh, because you need people to do the work to hit those deadlines that you've established. And that is the genesis of mistakes. Um, you need to hold out until you have the top people. Aim for the top people. If you can't get them, immediately understand what it would take to get them right. and uh, orient, orient around that. And that's why we put such a heavy focus here on people. That's why my partner is a, is a, is a psychologist. 
Um, if you get that right, the rest should follow. Right. Now you've been in the ecosystem for a long time. Yeah. Genesis being one of the, you know, the, the early and amazing funds that we all know about and read about. Yeah. You're observing the Israeli ecosystem. What, what, what do you find here in the last few decades? What, what have you been observing either change or some of the beautiful or challenging aspects of it that yeah. maybe people from around the world don't necessarily truly understand what is this startup or scale up nation? Well, I think it's important to understand the source of the innovation. And I think it goes back all the way to the uh, hostile region we live in and the necessity for a big military and a mandatory national service, men, women, irrespective of socioeconomic backgrounds. Right. Skill, you know, scan for certain traits and those who have a potential to be technologists grouped together and given highly ambitious tasks and told the, the fate of the country rests on their shoulder. And that creates very systematic waves of entrepreneurs coming out uh, of the military, tackling the biggest problems in AI and cybersecurity and connectivity and other sectors. That can't be replicated. There cannot be a hub like this anywhere else. Uh, so that's one. The... The key trait they share in addition to innovation and, 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 and curiosity is resilience. Um, so that we're used to every five years having some sort of conflict here and we can withstand that and actually adapt very quickly and faster than the rest of the world. Um, but on the negative side, there is a big difference between the last generation of Israelis and the current generation coming up in the sense that I feel the current generation may take some things for granted. I was going to ask about that. And yeah. What, what, and Why do you think that is? Um, I mean, I, it, it always surprises Israelis when I tell them I've experienced anti-Semitism. They, they don't even know what that is. Like, it's, right. a, it's in a textbook. But growing up in Ohio as a minority, you experience it all the way through. Right. Um, and that creates a certain humility. And uh, also a calibration. Like, the U.S. is so much bigger than Israel. And everyone here talks about... Uh, doing something special, but it, unless they spend time outside of Israel, they, they, they may be uh, uh, setting their sights too low or ignorant of certain challenges or whatnot. So people need to get out and uh, experience the world. Rock, thank you for inviting me here. My This pleasure. Wonderful. Uh, we talked a lot about investing. Yeah. I want to ask a few more questions about yourself. Sure. And they're weird, but, but they're important to me. I'm yeah. Curious. Yeah. Back to middle school in Ohio. Yeah. Well, what's a favorite subject that you had? Definitely history. Really? Yeah. Any specific time in history? I mean, now I read uh, nothing but historical fiction from like 1900 to 1930. And for wow. some reason that reigned, maybe I'm reincarnated from someone at that time, <laughs> but that's just when all the world was changing. You know, right. the birth of aviation, automobiles, uh, telephones, electricity. It all happened then. Right. And yet, if you can, you can read and learn from there without having the stress or anxiety that you do of reading about modern leaders like Elon Musk, because there the temptation is to compare yourself to Elon Musk. But if you're reading about Thomas Edison, he's dead and gone. You can just take the lessons learned without the anxiety. So. I, I, I love that. In this world, yeah. somebody that, and I'm sure there are many, but somebody that would serve as an inspiration for you or some sort of role model in, in, in any capacity, professional, personal, You know, I like to give the example of Rocky Balboa. He's a fictional character, but uh, I, I, you know, his motto is his whole life was a million to one shot. Um, it just inspires me deeply. And the whole story of how Sylvester Stallone wrote that, he was a sort of B-grade actor and uh, witnessed the fight of Muhammad Ali 
late in his career um, and, and, a, and a challenged by someone who actually his whole goal was just to go the distance with Ali, and he did. And Stallone wrote that movie in about four days, and then he insisted to play the role of the star himself, even though the uh, MGM at the time told him they weren't going to pick it up, they wanted to put a different actor, and he insisted... It's a wonderful story. And the beauty of having fictional heroes is they can't let you down. I love it. Three words that you would use to describe yourself. That you would use. I'm yeah, I think optimistic. Yeah. Um, sense that in the short 20 minutes that we have here. Yeah. Um, humble and uh, curious. Barak. תודה רבה. Thank you very, very much.